Thanks, Eileen. Thank you very much. It's the Ray Dassey Show on RTE Radio 1. Enjoy the show. Thanks, Jamie. Good afternoon on this Tuesday afternoon. How are you? 51551 for your texts. You can send us emails to ray at rte.ie. Anything that's on your mind. That was good news. Did you hear that? Did you notice that? He has a way of doing that. Leo Farag, he just slips something in, you know. <laughs> you know, big news and he just slips it in. Just by the way. Uh, he's like one of those brilliant footballers, you know, that they don't seem to be doing anything. The next thing it's in the back of the net. That, that, that's our Leo. He has that touch about him. So Brian Dobson was asking about the, you know, the extra bank holiday that was much talked about last year. When will it be? Will it be St. Bridget's Day? Somebody suggested on this show when we started talking about that maybe they should make it two days, you know, the St. Patrick's Day had an extra day. So this is what Leo said to Brian on the news at one today about the extra bank holiday. Yeah, no formal decision made yet, but um, what we're working on is a proposal to have a double bank holiday um, uh, for St. Patrick's Day. So that would be the 17th and 18th of March and then a new permanent bank holiday um, for St. Bridget's Day, which will come into effect on 2023. Um, but we just haven't pushed the button on that yet. You know, we're still fighting this pandemic. Um, it's not over yet. Um, and mm-hmm. the purpose of the day will be a day, uh, you know, to remember those who've been lost and to recognise all of the people who've done phenomenal work during this period. And uh, it just seems that it's too early to make the decision on that, given that this is not yet over. Yeah, you see, we can't. We can't make plans. That's what we've learnt over the last two years. And we were told that by the great philosophers, you know, that what man makes plans and God smiles or something to that effect. Um, and we found that out every second week. You can't plan for anything. So that's what he's saying. Because in normal circumstances, you'd be saying, if we're going to have an extra day off in just on two months time, you should tell us about it now. But of course, in the times we live in, you can't plan that far ahead. But it'd be nice because St. Patrick's Day is the Thursday. Then you'd have the Friday off and Saturday, Sunday. For a lot of people who don't work in retail and hospitality, they would have four days off in a row, which would be very much appreciated. Thank you very much. Uh, Because it's the longest run, isn't it, without a bank holiday from the 1st of January to the 17th of March. And we discussed this last year. Anyway, there's where it's at at the moment. Um, out of the mouth of Tanishta Leo Varadkar. Uh, we were talking yesterday, Sean Murray sent us a, an email and he suggested that maybe every day we give you something to giggle at, something to make you smile. And uh, I was saying that, yeah, that, that, that's a great idea, Sean, but when you commit to something on a daily basis, you run out of road very quickly. But we're trying, most of them are visual, you see. That's the world. We live in a visual age. Uh, so this will make you giggle. Uh, Nick Bradshaw has done it again. He, ma- he takes amazing photographs and a lot of them make it onto the cover of the Irish Times, uh, as does this one. It's a grey squirrel uh, cheekily squeezing itself into a garden bird feeder in search of some easy nourishment out in Rathmichael in County Dublin. So it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a, looks like a kettlebell-shaped uh, bird feeder it's blue and he's got through he's obviously eaten his way through the plastic or whatever maybe it's not plastic maybe it's wood I don't know uh, and so his most, his tail and his lower body is on one side and then his little head is picking out the other side <laughs> it, it's a feat it is a feat I don't know how he did it he's a super squirrel but it'll make you smile It's it's an, it's an it'll definitely make you smile maybe not giggle but definitely smile and then if you're on social media uh, go to alb ALB, that's uh, her moniker on Twitter. And uh, she posted a little video, six second long video of her little toddler absolutely slathered, if that's a word, in pseudocreme. Now, this is common enough. I don't know what toddler's fascination is with pseudocreme, but I, I, I think it's the, the texture of it. See, it's oily. And even as this little toddler is 
doing that with rubbing her hands together with all the pseudo cream on it. You can hear this, you know that, you know when you get that sort of sound. And maybe that's it. But she has covered all her face. You can just barely make out her mouth. Her two eyes are there. It's all over her hair, all over the cot, all over her arms. And we've all been there. Uh, it's it's the toddler and the pseudo cream, and it never gets old, and it'll always make you smile. And so thanks, Alb, uh, whoever you are, for cheering up our day today. Um, and while we're on Twitter, uh, Dr. Christopher Nemeh, N-E-M-E-H. He's an American doctor. And he tweeted today, you'd think as a doctor I could convince people that no, in fact, cold weather or wet hair doesn't cause pneumonia. But alas, I cannot. <laughs> uh, you won't be... Sh- sh- try your hair there. You can't be going out like that. You'll catch, your, you'll catch your death of cold. Will you dress up there? You'll catch your death of cold if you don't put a coat on. They're urban legends. Myths. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But you see, Dr. Christopher Nema, doctors can't convince people that they don't need antibiotics for a viral infection. So <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult being a doctor. You just, I'd, I'd imagine, a lot of the time, have to tell people what they want to hear. Um, yesterday, if you were listening, we were talking about the things that were left in Travelodge hotels up and down uh, the length of the UK yesterday. Well, today, Linked Taxis has released a number of interesting stats from 2021. So link taxis, they're, I think they're all over the country. Uh, there were 112 leggers uh, last year. So 112 customers of link taxis, when it came to their destination, opened the door and ran for it, um, which is, isn't very nice. Uh, things left behind, as you would imagine, 145 phones, 89 bags, wallets, 23 shopping bags and a dog, which is interesting. Uh, now, you could guess the answer to this question. Uh, the most th- the, the most common things that people in taxis said to the taxi driver. Yeah, you know it. Uh, are you out long? Uh, are you busy? <laughs> Poor taxi drivers then, they have to tell you, don't they? And some of them say, yeah, yeah. Others will go, yeah, I was out, out since five o'clock this morning on my last hour. You're my last customer. Uh, are you busy? Well, not as busy as normal with the COVID and all that sort of thing. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and despite international travel restrictions, Dublin Airport was still the busiest ranked during 2021. And TV presenter Graeme Norton was named as the most famous passenger that any one taxi driver had picked up. Um, and the shortest trip. Now, if you know Dublin City Centre, you'll know how short this is. From Dame Street to Trinity College. Is Trinity College not on Dame Street? Uh, it, anyway, it was a trip of 0.4 kilometres, which is 400 metres, which is one lap around the park. Uh, the visitor in question, obviously a tourist, was unfamiliar with the location of the entrance to the university uh, and the driver was kind enough not to charge for the fare, which is lovely. But you know when you're in a foreign city, I did that years ago in Edinburgh and it was late at night and, and it was a rugby weekend and you can imagine what was going on and I just couldn't find the hotel, couldn't find the hotel. And I was in this area of Edinburgh, it was all red brick Georgian buildings, they all looked exactly the same, every corner you turned you thought, anyway. So eventually hailed down a taxi, so appreciative to get it and I said whatever the name of the hotel was and your man started laughing at me. <laughs> He said, are you sure? In his strong Edinburgh accent, I said, yes. And then he said, right, get in. And he put on the meter, started the car, went around the corner, literally around the corner and said, there you go. Uh, but that's that happens to us all when we're in foreign places. Uh, by contrast, the longest taxi journey was a 370 kilometres return trek from Dublin to Belfast. Uh, with a set price agreed with the passenger in advance. A lot of people do that. I know people who, used to, who still live in Greystones, but if they were on a night out in Dublin, they'd uh, go to a taxi and go, I'm going to Greystones, how much are you charging? So it'd be off the metre, as they say, off the metre. 
Um, 51551 ray at rte.ie if you haven't started playing Wordle it's 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 a bit of crack and it's a craze and everyone's doing it uh, and I see they're even writing about it in The Guardian today uh, they have um, a, a specialist an expert David Shariat Madari um, and he's a He's an expert in linguistic theory or maybe he's just asking people who are experts in linguistic theory uh, as to how best to solve Wordle. If you just put it in, W-O-R-D-L-E, it's one a day. It's old school sort of brain test um, and uh, you'll you'll enjoy it, I think. And if you want to, you can go and read that that article by David Chariot Madari and it might increase your chance of getting it in less than six. Um, now, what else is there there? You better tell you about our reeling in the ears. Bump. You know, by now we cobble together bits of songs, news reports, TV shows and movies. And we've three clips for two people. And they get two points for a short clip because it's more difficult and one clip for a long one point for a long clip and whoever gets the most points wins the prize. And this week it's a stay in the Wilder Townhouse in Dublin City Centre. And you can stay there for luxurious breaks with friends and family. Uh, our prize includes overnight accommodation for two people, cocktails from their gin bar and a full home group breakfast. It's one of Dublin's finest residence-only townhouses is The Wilder. It's nestled in uh, beautifully manicured gardens close to the famous Ivy Gardens nearby uh, St. Stephen's Green just off Harker Street. It's a Victorian townhouse steeped in history and lovingly restored. Offers a luxurious experience for every guest coming through its welcoming doors. I would imagine The Wilder is after Oscar Wilde. I would imagine. Um, so, there's your prize. We're looking for two people to come on after four o'clock. Here's your qualifying question. Uh, a US patient is doing well after receiving a first-of-its-kind heart transplant from which animal? So, a US patient is doing well after receiving a first-of-its-kind heart transplant from which animal? 0818 That's 0818 And good luck with that. Yes. Yesterday we were talking to Zach about the best-selling vinyl from last year and rumours from Fleetwood Mac was number one. So here it is. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. From Fleetwood Mac, from their LP, as they used to be called back in the day. Rumours, which was first released in 1977 and is still selling in bucket loads on vinyl in Ireland. Uh, Top-selling LP from last year. Long player, just in case you're wondering. Uh, long player and then there was the EP which was the extended player uh, then there was the 45 or single uh, which was called the 45 because it's at 40, 45 revolutions per minute was it an RPM yeah that sounds like a yeah very slow and then there was a 33 the LP was played at 33 and then back in the day before my time there was a 78 which was played at 78 revolutions per minute and then the single had the A side and the B side so you had the, the song that was in the charts and then the B-side. And then sometimes, I think like in the case of We Will Rock You, the B-side became more popular than the A-side. Uh, and then it might be re-released as a double A-side. Do you get all that? That was a little history lesson into uh, vinyl. Uh, now, uh, Simon here in Wicklow. Uh, I once got a taxi in Russia from Rostov to Mount Elbrus. Uh, don't know how long it was, but it was 28 hours for the grand price of €30. Euro. That sounds like value. And with regards to Wordle, Ray, uh, I use the same first two words each time, which uses all the vowels and a good range of the other letters. This gives me a good start for the rest of the lines. Aha, good strategy. Uh, Our Neve uses radio as the first word because R and D are popular consonants and she has three of the five vowels. 
A-I-O. See. Uh, your story about losing your hotel reminds me of one uh, the great Jimmy McGree used to hear, hear sorry one of uh, the great Jimmy McGee used to something uh, as you know he used to be known as the memory man uh, he was somewhere in Europe when Ireland were playing a big match a couple uh, were the worst for wear uh, came up to him and said hey aren't you the memory man when he confirmed that indeed he was and the next question was so where the hell is our hotel hey well, how would he know that? Uh, five on five, five on radar.t.ie. Tom Dunn. We have to talk to Tom Dunn after this. And it's not. Let's see if we can do that again. Let's see. Here we go. Uh, de, de, uh, yeah. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Um, somebody says for Wordle, you need vowel heavy words to start off with and never use double letters like added. A-D-D-E-D there's three D's in that because that is such a waste a Jew A-D-I-E-U is a great place to start because it's so dense with vowels A-I-E-U aha radio, piano all strong start off words I'm addicted can't you tell I'm delighted that such an old school uh, little word puzzle is getting so much attention in, in the world we live in with all the distractions of social media etc now uh, you heard the news today about a medical first where a patient in Maryland by the name of David Bennett he's a, a handyman received a genetically modified pig heart to save his life uh, he wasn't able to get a conventional transplant or an artificial pump so doctors were able to alter the genes in a pig's heart and successfully transplanted it to David well when I say successfully he's still alive at the moment uh, pig heart valves have been transplanted into humans for many years and when I heard the story about David Bennett and the heart transplant uh, this morning the first person I thought of was Tom Dunn how are you doing Tom? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it right? I can't believe I'm the man you think about here's stories about pigs hearts <laughs> but, and I'm not making that up that, that you were you came straight into my head uh, what does Tom think of this and, and I said well sure get him on and ask him uh, so when, when, when you woke up to that story this morning what did you think Tom Dunn I was I was fairly amazed, fairly amazed. I know it sounds like science fiction, and, and it really does. Um, a genetically modified pig's heart. They took three genes out, three pig genes out. They put six human genes in. Holy moly. Yeah. And apparently a pig's heart is very similar to a human heart, the same size and all that kind of stuff. And, and they altered uh, genes to do with its growth rate, because it grows at a different rate to a human. So they're slowing down how it grows so that it won't, you know, give you problems in that direction. It, it sounds absolutely like science fiction. I, I, I find it hard to believe. And of course, just, just to clarify for people, the reason I thought of you this morning is because you have, as part of your human heart, uh, yes. a valve made out of pig tissue. Yes. yes. I'm very slow to say pig tissue. I really am. <laughs> for reasons that I can't quite get my head around. I find... When doctors and, and you know, card, cardiologists refer to it as a tissue valve, I feel it's very scientific and, you know, I, I feel very safe when they say that and, and it's all great. When they refer to it as a pig valve, it just goes down an Arthur Daly route there that <laughs> I just feel, you know what I, I feel less safe. <laughs> We've spoken about this before, but a question I never asked you, is it actually a valve taken out of a pig's heart or is it a bit of pig tissue? Yeah, you see, this is where this is where my close your eyes and don't ask questions okay, uh, doesn't right. give me any favors. I found a lot of what was going on a little bit scary. Yeah, and to be honest, I didn't really want to know what went on during the procedure. For instance, I, I just kind of said I, I look forward to going in and I look forward to coming out of that particular place. Don't tell me what you're doing to me. 
And I've, I've stayed there. I haven't, I haven't asked any questions at all. And as regards the pig valve, I don't know, was there a real pig involved or do they grow these things on Petri dishes? I, I don't know. You don't know. And okay. I, no, and I, I hope it's a Petri dish. I'll tell the truth. Right. Oh, so you don't want to know. It, you don't want right, okay. No, I don't. Yeah. Coincidentally, you were 57 when you had the operation. I was. And this guy's 57 yeah. as well. I don't, that's just a, a thing I noticed. Yeah, I know. I, 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 no, like, I noticed it too, right? Did you? Right, I noticed okay, it too. Right. Yeah, I did. And I'm 57 and as well. Maybe that's why I noticed it. Uh, uh, <laughs> when, when I had that operation, I had, uh, I really had a two-year best before date on me at that point. Right. Um, I did seventy percent chance of dying in the next two years. That man there had a one hundred percent chance of dying. And mm. um, right now, I don't know if he sit up eating soup. <laughs> as his dad used to say. Um, but I, I, he's in a better place than he could have been, isn't he? Yeah. So the, the FDA have given it a sort of a com, uh, an emergency compassionate dispensation. You know. So this is for right. this is for really yeah. experimental treatment. Uh, where the, 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 the doctors can prove that the person, as you say, is 100% going to die. So they've agreed yeah. that, that this is their last their last shout, their last hope. Uh, and they agreed yeah. to be, really, excuse the pun, but they agreed to be guinea pigs for experimental yeah. surgery or treatment. And that's what this guy has done. Uh, so they've yeah. no idea what's going to happen next, really. Well, it was the same on the first heart transplant, wasn't it, all those years ago? I vaguely kind of remember that. Was it in said? South Africa or some the Dr. Bernard or someone like yes, that very famous yeah. doctor was doing it and that person having the first transplant had no idea what was going to happen next but I know they lived for a good while and heart transplants have become not quite routine but but I know people with, who've had heart that transplants, yeah, transplants yeah. who are living normal lives mm. it, this, this is called xenotransplantation uh, and they did it back in 1984 Baby Faye uh, who was a dying infant, lived for 21 days with a baboon heart. Wow. And, and they've used uh, a pig's kidney for um, a brain-dead human. Um, I, I, I don't know how they get permission to do all this sort of thing. It is, yeah. it is as you say, it's quite scary, isn't it? It's sci-fi, it's it futuristic. Uh, and yeah. you, you're fearful of what the, the, the long-term consequences of this will be and where it will stop. But anyway, this is, this is what we know at, at the moment. And uh, the, the, the kidney actually functioned uh, for right. a, a short amount of time outside um, the, the patient's body. Uh, so the, the, yeah. the, and I'm looking at the stats here. They, you know, huge waiting lists all over the world for organ transplantation. Um, and they can't meet the, 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 the demand so if they were yeah. able to get this right, it would revolutionise yeah. um, medicine. Uh, that that's goes without saying, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. So you, you had all the stats there. So they, they, they've taken out some of the, the, um, the pig genes that they found uh, yeah. would, would lead to rejection. Uh, and then yeah. to, to help sort of accommodating the pig's heart in a human body, they've, they've put in six human genes into it. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, I don't know what they'd have to do to my valve yes. to make me accept it. Because I, I don't take, I just take an aspirin every day as a blood thinner. But like, there's no possibility of my body rejecting what's gone inside of it. So right. I don't know how they managed to achieve that. But I'll tell you one thing. I live a totally normal life. I, I just have some aspirin every day because yeah. they've asked me to. And I, I exercise every day. I walk and, you know... I, could have done dances with <laughs> wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been the end of me if I had 
<laughs> Can I ask so you though this morning though, knowing that there is a man who's still living with yeah. with a full pig's heart, how did that yeah. make you feel? Does it does it, is it sort of, this is a ridiculous? But is it vindication for your choice because you were given the choice between pig tissue and a synthetic valve? Yeah, so uh, no, I was given the choice between a mechanical valve. Sorry, mechanical and, valve. And, yeah, and this this tissue valve. And, and if you take a mechanical valve, you're on warfarin for the rest of your life, which is a very tough enough um, uh, blood thinner, uh, which you have to get your blood tested uh, every few weeks or every few months. But I didn't like that vision of my future. I didn't like it at all. And um, so I argued long and hard for the tissue because the cardiologist was very firm that he thought you'll be grand. The uh, surgeon was more uh, circumspect in saying, you know, if you aren't grand, if you need this replaced in 12 years' time, which was a possibility, um, you know, it's a big operation. You don't want to put yourself through that. So, yeah, I thought long and hard about it. And at the moment, I'm 100% sure that I made the right decision. And all of the scans that we've done have backed that up. And and it seems to be sitting in and and I'm very healthy on the strength of it. And all of that is wonderful. So, you know, that's great. I had one moment, though. I had... um, an echocardiogram where they kind of scan your, your chest and you can see a kind of a little model of your heart as it's beating mm. and I was I was actually looking at the aorta the, the piece that was replaced and I could see it opening and closing in front of my eyes and I was thinking that wasn't in my body when I was born that, that little part there is not original equipment <laughs> that we would describe as an engineering term and um, <laughs> and it's opening and closing yeah. Fifty-two times a minute. Yes, <laughs> and Pretty keeping me alive—an essential part of your body's machinery now. Yes, yeah. very, very essential. Uh, yeah. Very essential. Yeah. I have a little card I carry because of this. I carry with me everywhere. To, like, what, to tell card. people that you have a bit of sorry that you have this valve in your in your heart. Yeah, right. if something ever happened to me, there are numbers on it that you would ring, and it would give you the details. But it has a model number and everything. I've got the model number three three zero zero TFX. <laughs> right. That's the model number of my valve. <laughs> yeah. So, so we we know obviously that that works because you are living proof of it, and there are yeah. thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people around the world who yeah. have the same. Now, now the eyes yeah. of the world are on this guy, David Bennett, handyman from Maryland, age fifty-seven, to see what happens yeah. in the next few days and, and weeks, and yeah. we, we wish him well. Uh, Tom, yeah. Tom, great talking to you as always. Mind yourself. You too. Stay Ray. safe. Look after yourself. Yeah. Bye see. Now. Look. See. You. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Text 51551. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now, Aoife Dooley, take two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so last week we attempted to speak to Aoife Dooley about her new graphic novel and we had a bad line. Uh, the technology let us down. So it's great to have Aoife in studio. Good afternoon, Aoife. And I'll just remind people that Aoife is a writer, illustrator, comedian, graphic designer. Um, she's the creator of the popular series uh, Your One Nikita. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, we chatted to Aoife back in 2018 um, when she spoke to us about her diagnosis of being autistic. Uh, and now her new graphic novel is called uh, Frankie's World. So that's all correct. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, uh, congratulations again on on the book. So we we got, we got about two minutes chat, I think, uh, last week when we, we before the, de- the technology let us down. So just to remind people about Frankie's, it's very much based on your life. Yeah, so it's kind of it's about like an eleven year old girl who 
doesn't know she's autistic but she knows that she's different and she's trying to find out why she's different and she thinks that it might be that her dad's an alien because she doesn't know her dad so she thinks oh well maybe he's an alien and I am too so she goes on an adventure to basically try and find out why she's different and she's accompanied by her best friend Sam and her new friend from school Rebecca so uh, and yeah. Sam is a wheelchair user. Yes. 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 Yeah. And Rebecca, you're all sort of what's it? What, Lucy? Diverse, I suppose. Yes. In a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Very diverse characters and an all-female uh, cast as such, I suppose, like three, so, three so, girls. So, so what you've done is you've brought your two, like the doodles and all that, uh, which you're very good at, the, the, the drawing, for want of a better word, and, and your own personal story. You brought the two of them together in this book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it works brilliantly. So yeah. congratulations. Um, did you feel a need to do this? Yeah, I, I think it was like putting a lot of closure on um, a lot of things that I would experience growing up. And for me, it kind of, it made me tackle things head on that I didn't realise that I needed to tackle, like with the bullying and stuff like that, that you would have seen through the book. And then also like things with my mum as well. I was kind of just avoiding that. So this book kind of like helped me to kind of um, yeah. look at life differently. And um, also the fact that... Um, it's just uh, hearing that people are, are enjoying it and kids are reading a book for the first time is amazing because that's one of the main reasons I wanted to do it because I could never find any books when I was a kid that related to me where I could see myself in them and the fact that kids are reading it and going, that's me, that is just the most amazing feeling. Yeah. I think that, yeah. And it's sort of like an ode to your mum. Yeah. It, it, it paints her as this nearly superhero type oh, character. She, she she was a superhero. Like she literally, you know, she was always up and about. She'd be on a treadmill like all the time. Like all these things she'd do. She just didn't let anything get in her way. Even though she had the heart condition, she uh, didn't let anything stop her. So I think... And uh, how, long is, yeah. how long is she dead? It's, uh, eight years now. Right. Okay. It's mad. Yeah, eight years. And when you say you hadn't confronted the issues around your mother, what, what do you mean by that? I just, I think I was just avoiding that it actually had happened. I hadn't grieved. I was just keeping myself so busy doing things that I didn't have to think about it. And then I'd done the same with my dad and just never talked about it. Just tried to kind of get on with my life and that didn't help because I obviously had to process it and I didn't, you know. So um, I think writing certain aspects of the book were kind of harder than others. So talking about my mum and writing it out, it kind of made it more real for me. Yeah. Writing it out and seeing it on the page and seeing the pictures and going that actually happened that was difficult and it kind of brought me back to the time when you know I would have been grown up and I would have been Frankie's age and you know my mum was sick and I just remember going to Disneyland Paris and my mum got pneumonia and she was in the hotel room the whole time it kind of just brought up all those things and I was like I have never talked about this I've never processed it so mm. it kind of yeah, yeah. it changed but my outlook she, she was quite uh, sick but she was mm. always there for you oh yeah uh, she was like my number one supporter I think if she was here now she'd be calling everyone and she'd be going into the neighbours and all telling them <laughs> everyone probably head would be wrecked now at this stage now the the autism because it, like it, it seems like it's uh, very prevalent now that women in particular or maybe it's just that that it's it's everywhere I look or maybe I'm conscious of it that a lot of women in their 30s are being diagnosed with, with autism yeah, I think I don't think it's become more prevalent. I think that people have just got better at noticing, like the the difference. Like so, for me, like someone said to me, you know, oh, I think you could be autistic, and I looked into it, and I was like, oh, this is actually this is me down to a T, and I think that's what's actually happening for a lot of people. And the fact that kids are getting help earlier, it just seems like everyone, like left, right, and center, is getting diagnosed. But yes. it's actually because uh, people are finding out who they are because the information is out there, and I think that's amazing. 
But um, yeah, women in particular, though, get diagnosed quite late or can. Um, some people don't get diagnosed until they're 50s, 60s, 70s. So it's kind of, yeah. Because I, I remember, because, you know, I have a, a cousin who was um, uh, severely autistic. Um, so I knew a little bit about it when nobody was talking about it. And one of the things that was said back in the 80s, for example, 70s and 80s, was there was predominantly men, boys and men who got yeah. autism and not women. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I think that's why I kind of uh, slipped under the radar at school. They weren't looking out for that because yes. I would have got, like, you know, assessed for ADHD and they were like, no, it's not that. And then they were just kind of like, well, what else could it be? Like, it's nothing then. So, yeah, that happened to like a, a lot of people, I'd say, uh, especially in the 90s and 2000s as well. But I think it's um, I think it, it's just people are talking about it now and uh, their own experiences. And I think that's kind of, you know, like you. people are understanding more. Yes. But you're right about the male thing as well, because that's why I never looked uh, at myself as being autistic. Because whenever I seen it on TV or reading books in school, it was always a man or a boy. Yes. It was never a girl. So I just never thought about it. Uh, and in your, I suppose your life can be split now into before the diagnosis and after diagnosis because yeah. it, it, it seismic change in your life and, and your self-image. Yeah, I think there's a, a huge change in myself as a person. I think I just, I feel a big change. I feel like I'm the happiest I've ever been and I just kind of, I'm at peace with myself. I um I like who I am now for yes. the first time in my life because I understand who I am. Yes, yeah. And I think that's kind of, you know, people ask me like, oh, why did you get a diagnosis? What does it do for you? I like myself. That's why I did it because I wanted to find out what was going on and now I know and I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And I think that's, you know... Because that's, that's one was, of the main things. That's the question I was trying to ask you, and that's why I got frustrated with the technology last week because it, it was a quite involved question, and you couldn't hear me, and I yeah. was getting frustrated. And I'm sure the listeners were getting frustrated as well. But it was this: in in that when you didn't know, when you didn't have a diagnosis, mm. um, there was obviously a frustration there, and, and that can lead to mental illness, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely! I was definitely, I say, struggling with uh, a lot of anxiety at the time, and then depression as well, like after my mom and stuff. But even going back to school and I remember even like visiting my auntie in London and I got into like a water fight with these kids in the park but everyone in the park just thought I was American I don't know why because of my accent or something I don't know what was going on but they thought I was American and I thought it was really cool and I got into a water fight and I just started screaming when I got wet and I just remember everyone's face just looking at me going oh oh I don't like that and there was a lot of that growing up so it's kind of like you bring that with you as well and you carry it with you so when you look back and go that wasn't my fault that's yes. just the way I react to things. And and that's the sort of, uh, for you, that was too much sensory stimulation. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or anyone like touching me that I didn't, like even if I was playing basketball, because I grew up, I love playing basketball. But, uh, you know, in the, the start of a, a match, like where people are like, you know, they're blocking each other. Well, if someone kept putting their arm out in front of mine and kept touching off me, like that would really freak me out as well. And I've often screamed in those situations where, you know, my family be looking going, God, that's very bold or, you know, that kind of way. So I think it does kind of, when you're told that you do things wrong all the time and that you're bold and you're this, that and the other, it kind of is such a relief to find out and go, no, that's just the way I am. That's just who I am. And and, and Frankie, that's her life. She's living that. Loud noises, for example, freak her out. All of that stuff. And it's delivered in a very child-friendly way uh, and a very funny way as well. So it means that if somebody, a parent or a child identifies bits of them 
in Frankie, that that's the start of a conversation, which is hugely important. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to do with the book as well, that I wanted her to find out at the very end because I wanted everyone else to go on that journey because they might be might start going on their own journey themselves by looking at things going, well, I'm actually like that as well. So I kind of done it in that way, in that purpose. And then uh, for the graphic novel aspect of it as well, uh, I would have been a reluctant reader. So I think it's more accessible for reluctant readers because I used to love reading comics. So yeah. I think it's, yeah. It- it, it, it's odd because um, Roddy Doyle, who's one of our you know uh, best writers, uh, he started reading through comics. Yeah, you know people would be surprised to hear that. I, I never knew that. That is really surprising, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anything that introduces children to reading is is a really positive thing. I think so as well because I think reading should be for everybody and it should be accessible to everybody as well. Because uh, I thought that I hated reading for years. I would like cringe at the fact if someone was like, will you read my book? And I was like, I'm never reading that. I'm not going to sit there. I, I just can't focus on it. So I think even in myself, I've discovered my love for graphic novels throughout this as well. So it's yeah. kind of, it's given me confidence as well as an adult. So I think uh, everyone should uh, try and find a book that suits them. It doesn't have to be a novel as such. So And and what's the reaction been then to Frankie's World? Oh, it's been kind of, it's been kind of mad to be honest. I, I'm not, I, I'm blown away. I, I'm honestly blown away because um Parents are telling me that their kids have picked up this book, like they've got it for their kids, obviously they picked it up and they're reading a book for the first time or that uh, the kids are seeing themselves and the characters. And it's, it's it's been like an Amazon number one bestseller for the last like six days, which I think is just mad. At one Congratulations. point, it's mad, yeah. At one point it was selling more than uh, one of my uh, favourite movies, Wonder. You know, yes, that, Wonder, that was yes, just, yeah. oh, that just blew my mind. I think I nearly fell out of my bed when I seen it. It was at three o'clock in the morning and I just woke up and I was like, I'll check my phone. And I looked at it and I woke up, Carl. I was like, Carl, Carl, guess what? Yeah, no, no, it's been no really exciting. It's been out a few years, in fairness. But oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but brilliant book. Say, yeah, brilliant, brilliant book. book. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. It's, uh, and you identify with that well. because of. Yeah, I, lo- I loved the I loved the movie because obviously I'd be more visual person. Yes. So yeah, I I did buy the book. I haven't read the book, but uh, I'm looking forward to reading it. But uh, I've watched the movie, and yeah, I really yeah uh, related to that story as well. I so you, you operate story. at a visual level more so than than words. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like it, it's it's strange. It's like it depends on my humor. And it depends on like what I'm doing as well. If I'm writing an article, that's different. But like okay. if, yeah, for, yeah. And over, since since you came out and spoke very publicly and it's hugely important that you did about your diagnosis with autism, what, what sort of myths, what, what misconceptions have people shared with you? You know, what have people said to you? What have they assumed that you would be like because you are autistic? Um, it's It's kind of more so the things that people say, like people would say like you're brave, and I don't get that. Like, I'm just being myself. Like, I don't think what I'm doing is brave. Like, yeah. I think someone like Vicky Phelan, I think she's brave. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just being myself. Like, that's, you know, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> but I think that um, the most common misconception is that uh, autistic people aren't funny. Um, like, that they, they don't get humour. I, I, I love humour. I always have. I think... Um, I, th- I think yeah one of the main things would be would, would be the humour thing I think a lot of people are surprised when they meet me they're not expecting me to talk as much or be uh, as uh, yeah. well spoken as I am I suppose in that way there a lot of people are shocked by it but um, I don't think that's of course uh, it's, it's, it's a wide spectrum that's what I was going to say yes. it's such a wide like yeah. you know it's it's so big like you can't really kind of narrow it down no two autistic people are the same so it's it's just like everyone else we're all individuals so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is worrying to think that there are a lot of people out there and people probably listening who have gone through their lives undiagnosed yeah, and, yeah totally and some people are misdiagnosed as well They, they I think for a lot of women uh, sometimes they're misdiagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder that's uh, quite common 
but yeah it, it is mad to know that there and there are definitely like so many people who don't know and they're probably just you know it might take someone else to say to them go hey actually you're very similar to me like it did with my friend because uh, I don't know if I ever would have found out had he said that yeah honestly like yeah honestly I don't think I would have I would have known and I was looking I was actively looking he didn't know that though but I was looking to try and find out why, why I was so different even as an adult yeah. yeah. How were you doing that? Were you reading or were you, what were you doing? I just, I just couldn't understand how my mind worked and it just, that the toll of college and everything, it was just really difficult kind of going through these things and trying to keep up. I just couldn't understand why I couldn't keep up in some yeah. like really simple tasks. And I was just looking up, oh geez, I was looking up everything, just trying to find out like what was what it was and I just never right. figured it out that was only there How are things for you like Neil was talking to you and he was asking you know you about Ireland and living in Ireland as a what, what age are you? 30 yeah. yeah yeah. so what's it like living in Ireland as a 30 year old? I have to be honest it's pretty grim it's pretty grim I, I don't think uh, working as a freelance illustrator I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get a mortgage here Um you know, struggling to pay the rent as it is because it's quite expensive city to live in. Uh, the art scene has been completely decimated, like everyone has left. Um, I honestly don't think this is going to be a very great place to live in. In the next couple of years, I think everyone who's young is probably going to leave because there's nothing here for young people anymore. Even the music scene and even the comedy scene, like everything's kind of... But that's yeah. the pandemic. That will come back ah, very yeah, quickly. Of course, yeah. of course. But I think even with those though as well, it's kind of, you know... A lot of things have um, died out as such in the last couple of years, even before the pandemic, um, especially in the arts. So I think that, um, yeah, something needs to change because, yeah, it's very grim. It is, yeah. You're a job. It's easy for me to say you could do what you do from anywhere in the country. Oh, yeah, I could, absolutely. But but the rent in Offaly is nearly a grand rate. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we don't have that option. Like, why? And and, and you want to be near your friends and family. Why would I pay, like, 500 euro less? to live like two, three hours away from my family. It's not worth it if it was like 900 like or 800 or maybe a bit cheaper, maybe then, yeah, but like just can't afford it. Most people my age in the country, unless they have a full-time job, like working in an mm. office, can't, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't kind of allow to be a creative in this climate, in this And uh, you know, you, you know, in France, they, they subsidise the arts, don't they? To the point where they actually pay people to be artists. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you just, think we need something like that here? I think that would be amazing. I think it would encourage more people to uh, go and do the job that they love as well. I think that's a lot of people are afraid to go and try the things that they love out of the fear of, you know, not being able to pay their mortgage or yeah. their rent and all these things. So I think it would if, oh, oh, I think it would definitely open up See, people doors, listen yeah. to you, Aoife Dooley, uh, you saying that you're number one on Amazon and, and, and you have a book and everything. They just assume that you're successful and you've, oh, just, no, you've no financial problems. I've seen a thing on... on uh, I seen a thing on Google where it was like a celebrity status and I was like I clicked into it and it said it had my name and it said that my net worth was one million euro and I was like well can someone tell me where that is because I could really do with that right now like I'm still renting and it said that I had my own gaff and all I was like where are they getting this information like where I'm, are they getting this I'm renting an apartment with single glazed windows I am anything but fancy at the moment I wonder can you take them to court for that you know it's, it's the opposite of, of defaming somebody yeah <laughs> They said I'd a million. Where's the million? Oh, no, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. where is it? Where's it gone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Frankie's World uh, is in shops now. Uh, a little bit brave, sometimes bold, totally me. Uh, that's Frankie. And will there be uh, a movie or a TV programme? Or it, it, it seems 
set up for it. I think that's early days, but um, I, I would absolutely love if it went in that direction, obviously, because, yeah, that that would be the dream. Yeah. But, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, God knows where it's going to go, you know. Right. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm going with the flow and I'm touching wood that it continues to be a success. <laughs> and listen, I'm glad you came in because that, that, no, so that, that, that was a worthwhile chat. That was a worthwhile chat. Congratulations again on the book. Thanks, Aoife. Thanks Thank so you. much, Ray. Thank you. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Tweet at Radio Ray RTE. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Mm-hmm. Now, Susie and Cork, uh, could you guys let me know where Aoife had her assessment? Uh, Any road signs? Thanks. Uh, Caroline Winstanley was the lady who assessed her and she works with the HSE. So if you go onto the HSE website, I'm sure there's information on uh, uh, autism diagnosis. Um, uh, I heard you struggle to describe your cousin. I recently learned uh, high support needs and low support needs is the best description of autism. Uh, can't wait to read Aoife's book. Um, thank you for supporting parents like me who want their autistic children to know and love themselves too. So there. Um, and uh, on Tom Dunn's heart, uh, pigs have a close relation uh, with humans, i.e. their skin is similar to ours. Uh, they can get sunburned like we do. Isn't that great, says that person. And tell Tom it's uh, three patches of the pig's pericardial tissue that gets sewn to a valve shape. Mike, who designs these valves from the west of Ireland's MedTech clusters. So there you go. That's the, the inside track on uh, Tom Dunn's pig's valve. That's Mick Flannery and Susan O'Neill and Chain Reaction. And that was one of the best-selling Irish albums on vinyl from last year. Uh, lovely song. Uh, lovely duet, Chain Reaction. Uh, from them um, and anyone interested in autism check out Neurotribes an amazing book that covers the history and influence of autism on the world and we spoke to uh, Steve Silberman Uh, he won the Welcome Prize back I'd say four or five years ago for that book and he's a journalist and he started by doing an article um, on the preponderance of people getting uh, autism diagnosis in Silicon Valley and that's where he started um, and he, he noticed that people who work in software development etc were more likely to get an autism uh, diagnosis than people in the general population and that led him to this uh, theory if you like that it's, it's, it's a different way of looking at the world um, and that's where that's the basis of his book um, uh, called Neurotribes and it's well worth a read it's a big book but it's well worth a read and I've recommended it to loads of people over the years Um uh, on the valves, uh, 22 years ago, I had a valve replacement of my aortic valve, but as I was only 29, I got the metal St. Jude's valve. I uh, wish Tom all the best from a fellow uh, Zipper Club member. Uh, Tom, does he still eat rashers? Ask Tom, does he still eat rashers? That's a good question, actually. I should have, I should have asked him that. And uh, still on music, because Tom Dunn is, you know, known for his interest in music. Uh, thanks for the memories, Re 78 RPM records. The HMV player was obligatory in my time, together with the endless supply of pins for the head of the pickup back in the day in Ghana. Many a Calypso record had conveyed the sounds of the Caribbean across the Atlantic to West Africa. Uh, Constable Joe has forever been fixed in my memory. Um, that's from uh, Ada Kunla. Um, and I must look up Constable Joe. He must have been a Calypso artist. Uh, I'm not familiar with his name. And Sarah in Ballsbridge was on uh, just before we get to Noct. I had a, a few fabulous days driving solo around the Burn and Clare from New Year to Saturday. Uh, my big find was the beautiful town of Ennistymon. Wonderful shops, best bookshops and friendliest of people. Arrived back in Dublin on Sunday. Um, that was uh, 
the day before yesterday, got a very appreciative call from Clare at the Bank of Ireland to say Fiona at the brilliant Market Butcher Food Hall down in Ennistime and called them as I left my debit card there. Uh, hadn't even realised. So following a great chat with Fiona, it was sent on its way back to me in Dublin and just retrieved now from my post box. So a big thank you to Claire at Bank of Ireland and Fiona at Market Butcher for being so caring and to Ennis Diamond, the friendliest, loveliest town I've been in. Fiona was even kind enough to tell me the best way to cook the yummy pork chops I bought there and took home. That's there in Falls Bridge. And it's time, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. We stayed there. We did a show from there um, a few years ago. Uh, I remember Sharon Shannon was there and Marty Morrissey was there, him being a Clare native. Um, and one of the Garrahees was there as well. And we stayed in the Falls Hotel, which has the, this amazing view onto the this sort of falls out in front of it on the river I don't know which river it is um, but it's an amazing view and it's a lovely town and so there comes highly recommended from Sarah in Ballsbridge Anish Tosh and the Preepskelton and Oak to La Cotta Wallace Gramaga Cod thank you very much 51551 radrte.ie and uh, as I am.ie is a great uh, support group for people uh, wondering about autism and they have a great website as well and they have uh, you know the questions that people would ask about adult autism uh, why should I get an autism diagnosis as an adult? Uh, how could I reach adulthood without realising I'm autistic? Uh, how can a, a diagnosis help me? How do I find a diagnosis? How does the assessment process work for an adult? All those questions are answered uh, on as, uh, sorry, as, as I am, as A-S-I-A-M dot I-E, um, Ireland's National Autism Charity. Okay, uh, that button there. Yeah, there you go. Reeling in the ears, that's what we're doing now. And we've clips on the way, and we've contestants on the way, and we have a prize on the way too. And it's um, a stay in the Wilder Townhouse in Dublin city centre. Uh, it's one of Dublin's finest residence-only townhouses, nestled in beautifully manicured gardens. Uh, it's close to the Ivy Gardens, uh, nearby St. Stephen's Green, just off Harcourt Street. Victorian townhouse steeped in history and lovingly restored. Um, and we have a night there and uh, breakfast the next morning and cocktails from their gin bar. Uh, hello, Kevin Keeley in Clamel. How are you? Hello, Ray. How are you keeping? Good. You're a painter. Painter decorator, I am indeed. Yeah. As, as opposed to a Da Vinci type painter. No, you have it. I'm not an artist. And busy, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, well, we only started back there this week because I suppose... Um, when the kids are off school and the decorations are still up, we don't kind of oh, we, yes, we yes, take the yes, extra few yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we started back yesterday. So yeah, we're busy now for the next few weeks. Thank God. So right. glad to be back there as well. You know, uh, and uh, in 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 sort of you know following the the behaviour of painter decorators uh, before, uh, radio is a huge part of your life, isn't it? Oh, it is, of course. Yeah, one hundred percent. From the time we go in till the time we knock off. Yeah, yeah. The radio's on in the background. Do you bring your yeah. own? I, I listen on the phone with the earphones most of the time. Yeah. Um, sometimes, if it's a bigger area, I sometimes would have the radio. It all depends you know, on where I am and what I'm doing. If I'm in a house and there's people there, usually I just use the phone and the yes, earphones. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You can get one of those Bluetooth speakers to be handy for you. You can work yeah. the, the, the phone off it just to fill a bigger the space. Phone, I, I, think I had one, but you know, it didn't last too long, really, you know. You left it behind <laughs> you, I'd say. I'd say you left it behind yeah, you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who's at home, Kevin? Um, my girlfriend Brenda and her daughter Ava and then our daughter Grace Grace Keeley yes Grace is four right okay uh, yeah. so busy house and you have a bit of yeah. radio quiz experience I have indeed I, I won a competition uh, with um, 
the late uh, Tony Fenton. Ah, and I, yeah. I, I meet and greet with Madness oh. in uh, the tripod in Dublin. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. So, and I was a big mad, Madness fan. I, I wouldn't mind, I was the first. Uh, I won it on the Monday, so it was four days to go, but lucky enough. The yeah. other four people were, weren't as keen as me, but I, 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 my name was pulled out anyway, so I was absolutely thrilled. Yeah. And yeah, you got to meet it. Madness, did you, Soaks and Lads? Well, it's, uh, it's a funny story. Me and my friend Twister, John Turner, went and um, they couldn't actually meet us because uh, they were had food poisoning at the time. They were actually going to cancel the concert. Right. So, lucky enough, I found out they were staying across the road in the Fitzwilton, is it? In Stephen's Green. Fitzwilliam. The Fitzwilliam, yeah. Fitzwilliam, yeah. yeah. And we were in having a pint and me mate goes, Keely, don't look around now. Sons are there to walk in. And I said, <laughs> stop messing now because he's a total wind-up. And I goes, listen, it's a bad time now to be in the you know what that be and he goes I'm not missing and I turn around and there he was so I went over had a chat and they sat with us him and Carol Smith sat with us for nearly three hours and Brilliant. sat in had a lot of points offered us down to um, Lily Bardello's with him with their manager we said no thanks you were good enough yeah. give us as much time it was brilliant and uh, what's your brilliant. mate's name? Um, John Twister Turner Twister <laughs> Twister so Twister is his nickname yeah, yeah. Well, from the old bridge yeah. and do you, have, do you have a nickname? Kevin? Uh, no, I just Kev, Kev. Just Kev. So there's Kev, yeah. Twister and Sogs there. Great story. Yeah. You're up against Des Boogie from Tyrrellstown. How are you, Des? How are you, Ray? How's it going? Yeah, so it's Boogie like the pram, yeah. Oh, the, the, that's exactly it, yeah. You yeah. can't mistake that. You know, you never, never forget it. Yeah, and where, where is it? I'm not familiar with Tyrrellstown. Where, whereabouts is it? Uh, you know, Blanchetown, Shepherd's Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just up the road from there, heading towards uh, Ashbourne. On the ah, road Ashbourne, yeah, I know, yeah, I know where you are now, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, only, it's only a field, Ray, just threw a few houses into it and called it the Hills Town, you know? <laughs> right, more than a few, I'd say. Ah, uh, well, about 4,000 now, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, So you're constantly on the road? Oh, yes, yeah, Monday to Friday. Yeah, what, what do you sell? Uh, tanning products. Right, Okay. Yeah, you're familiar with them, right? I, well, well, I've never used one, but I am familiar well, with that. Well, you have to start, Ray, because you're in the minority now, you know. The, <laughs> it's, I, I was just telling Neil there, your researcher, that, you know, the Orange and the English are per head of capital, the biggest users of Satan on they? the planet. Right, OK. Yeah, the yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's for me, but uh, it's, uh, this time of the year is look lovely. Yeah, is this time of the year the busiest time because we've no natural sort of suntans going around? Well, no, no, no. We're busy all year round. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, why, why would why would you go out and try and get natural tan when you can spray it in the bathroom in a bottle? You know, and, yeah, um, and and be guaranteed. And there's no there's no negative medical effects from it either. So. Uh, uh, no comment at this time. No, there's no there's no health effects from no, spraying. No, 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 there isn't. Yeah, Who's at home? Uh, Mary, the wife is at home, and uh, well, Roy will be home from school at some stage, and the eldest fella Eric is uh, he's out gardening. Right. Job, you know. Nice day for it. Nice. Do you use it yourself? Do you use your, your, your the products? No, no, no I don't. No. I'm naturally naturally bronze. You have to give to the gab as well. Okay, so lads, three questions each. Uh, if you go for a short clip, you get two points, and if you go for a longer clip, you get one point. And if you can uh, sort of get rid of any distractions there. Good luck to Kevin and good luck to Des. Here we go. Okay, uh, Kevin, first question for you. Uh, the year is 1990. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, not too bad, yeah. Not too bad. Okay, and we're starting in the movies. Um, okay, I go, with, um, I go with a short one. Really. You go with a short one, okay. So this 1990 comedy had us seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger in a totally different light. Okay. Okay, and here is your short clip for two points. Good luck. This is a ferret. What's a ferret? 
That's a ferret. You're not getting much there. So Arnold, no. Arnold Schwarzenegger in a totally different light. Um, I know. Um, is it kindergarten cop? It is kindergarten cop. Yes, it is. Yes, well done. Nice one. Well done. Two points there. Good stuff. Uh, right, Des. Uh, Nineteen ninety. Still at the movies. Do you want to go long or short? I go short as well. You go short as well. Okay, Kathy Bates brought a whole new meaning to fandom in this 1990 thriller. And here is your short clip for two points. I know I left my scrapbook out. I can imagine what you might be thinking of me. Kathy Bates brought a whole new meaning to fandom. Yeah, is that misery? It is misery, yes, yeah. Uh, based on the Stephen King novel, a best-selling novelist on his way home after completing his latest book when he meets with a car accident and he's rescued by an obsessed fan. In fact, his number one fan. Two points each, well done, good start, lads. Uh, we're on to question number two for you, Kevin. Um, so, music, we're in the charts from 1990. Do you want a, a long or a short? I'll take a short again. Short again, okay. Uh, We love this song that stayed at the number one spot for seven weeks in the autumn of 1990. And here is your short clip for two points. The name of the song or the name of the singers? Yes, I used to love her. Two points, well done. Uh, Des, music from 1990. I have to go short again, right? You have to go short again, right. This re-release of an old song became a big hit in 1990 thanks to a soundtrack of a big movie from that year. And here is your short clip again. The name of the song or the name of the singers. And here's your short clip for two points. I've hungered for your touch. Ghost. Yeah, Ghost. Uh, the Righteous Brothers. Yes. Yes, Ghost is the name of the movie. Yeah, The Righteous Brothers and Unchained Melody is the song. Yeah, yeah Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and the famous, you know, making the, the pottery scene from that and they play that in the background. Okay, uh, you're doing well, lads. It's it's for all as we come to the, the final question for you, Kevin. And um, we're in the news. Uh, current affairs from 1990. Now, this is... Right. Yeah, what are you going to do here? What are you going to do here? This is the dodgy one. Yeah. Um, I go... I go i go for a long one, right? You go for a long one, OK. OK. Uh, in 1990 in Cork, uh, Janet Catterall became the first woman in Ireland to become what? OK. So Janet Catterall, or Catterall, became the first woman in Ireland to become what? Here's your long clip for one point. It was a historic night for the Finbar's Cathedral in Cork. I feel very humble because it is happening for me and... Quite by chance, by my coming to Ireland, this has happened for me. Um, is, was she the first foreign lady to get at the freedom of the city, maybe? No. Right. No, no. I haven't a clue any. I didn't know her. Right? Yeah, she's the first woman in Ireland to become a priest. Right. She okay. was She was ordained in the Church of Ireland. Finbar's okay. Cathedral so the cathedral was we thought would have been a hint there would have pointed yeah. in that direction difficult enough you're on yeah. four it's not all over yet because Des still has to get something out of this last question um, and it's uh, it's it's again uh, current affairs Des uh, and it's 1990 
Um, so you don't have to go for a short one. You can go for a long no, one. No, no, I have, I have the, I have the option. I go long, right? Thank yes, you. you have the luxury of going for a long one, and yeah. uh, if you get it right, you're today's winner. Okay, uh, there was heartbreak and pride when Ireland got knocked out of the World Cup thanks to a goal by Italian player Toto Scalacci. At what stage do we leave the competition? And here is your long clip to help you along for one point. The Italian game was one that uh, you've got to look at it realistically and say we're playing the Italians in Rome who are the favourites for the competition and uh, and we've got to get past them to get on. So what stage was that? That was the quarter-final, right? It was, said with confidence, said with confidence. Uh, you got the bounce of the ball there, I think, Des. But I, was lucky, I was lucky, I was lucky there. Hard luck, Kevin. Yeah, well done, well done, Kevin, you did, you Kevin, you did really well. Thanks for telling us the, 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 the madness story. Uh, we're going to send you a it, couple right? of Ray Darcy show mugs. Um, okay. Look, Eddie, Eddie, I give him one of them. He's Great. Okay. And keep <laughs> listening to the radio, Kevin. I will, of course. Yeah. Mind yourself. Thanks see you. Right. Well done. Bye. 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 Uh, Des. How are you, right? Yeah, uh, you're off into town one of the nights. I, so, I where, where is that place, right? It, it's it's up there, um, just off Harcourt Street. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Near the Ivy Gardens. The told me that. She said to me, she googled it when I, I rang the office, telling I was on. You know, but yeah. uh, can I can I say hello to the girls in the office? Of course, can. Go for kill me. Yeah, uh, Cheryl and. Um, uh, Neve and Karen and Geraldine is there and also the mad one from Sheepmore, uh, uh, Nicola is there as well. So hello girls, how are you? And uh, you didn't think I'd do it, but I did it. Yay, go on. Well how done, Des. Well done. Thanks, Ray. See you. Good luck. Bye. Bye. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Yeah, 51551 or ray at rte.ie. Uh, I got my diagnosis with adult uh, autism, sorry, with the adult autism practice. Uh, David Hartman uh, is one of the owners, amazing practice. One thing I've realised since my diagnosis is not to use high t- slash low functioning labels. I still feel all of the feelings like someone else who is autistic, but I know how to manage in society better. Those labels are based on how much work you are for society. I'm hugely passionate about my diagnosis and the feelings of autistic people. Uh, if you ever want to do a segment on the show, uh, let me know, says Kira. Thanks for that, Kira. Um, and uh, Tig is in Detroit. He says, while it may be the pandemic, the grim reality of a 30 year old living in Ireland is the same old story. It was the same in 2008 when me and my pals ran away and the same so many other years before. The problem is it becomes harder to come back when it's still that same old story. Low pay, high rents, taxes, taxes, taxes. That's Tig in Detroit who uh, went away. Uh, Davy Fitzgerald is in our Cork studio. How are you doing, Davy? Hi, Ray. How's things? Good. Uh, how are you? All good, no thanks. Got over the Christmas, okay. Ate enough of junk, I suppose. But <laughs> did you, did back you? to normal. Yeah. Uh, so we've loads of things to talk about, Davy. So sit down and relax and, and, and take your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we'll get this out of the way first. Davy's toughest team is coming back. It, it was we spoke to you about it. What two years ago is it? Yeah, it would have been on the air. I think last February uh, right. we filmed it probably twenty uh, twenty. Um, unbelievable program. To tell you the truth, it'll probably out of my comfort zone a good bit but um, anytime you can give a bit of help to young guys uh, it's not so bad Yeah so the seven lads uh, how did you recruit them or well, I, I think um, our recruitment team uh, in the production company got on to different organisations around the country and that. And like, what we're really looking for is just, I suppose, 
guys that were in in a difficult spot that mm. were, were in a bit of a hole and maybe had you could say addiction problems mental health problems or just were finding things tough going and we, we reached out to see um, would there be an interest from lads out there and, and believe it or not Ray we got a great reaction of people do you know what I think they just wanted a hand and just wanted to see if they could turn things around and um, that's where we started from uh, and as you said already you were out of your comfort zone they were out of their comfort yeah. zones because a lot of the guys were from uh, urban built up areas and yeah. you were bringing them out into the middle of nowhere yeah. asking them to climb mountains and jump yeah. into rivers and all that sort of yeah. thing and so in a way that that worked well because you were doing something for the first time and you probably didn't know if you could do it yeah like to say I was uncomfortable would have been putting it mildly but the, the only good thing Ray is um, I suppose having dealt with lads um, and teams for a lot of years you normally surround yourself with good people and mm. I'd like to think I did that like be it psychologists counsellors nutritionists um, people adventurers different types of people like we, we have all of them available to us you know mm. and um, do you know what I found probably was the biggest thing was just getting them to talk um, just even even off camera I found after the first night or two when we were talking away on our own in the houses it was great and I, I, I think that you just needed someone to listen to and, and needed that bit of help A lot of those lads wouldn't have known who you were Davy, would they? Not a clue which hmm. was do you know what that was actually brilliant um, they hadn't a clue they were starting from scratch I was starting from scratch and it, it was just fantastic um, and I suppose really, like the big thing is you're saying we were out and about doing different activities and that's where I found they were out of their comfort zone but when they managed to do them they were elated they they were just over the moon and they were just mad to chat. Yeah. Um, because, and there was a lot of guys, I, I remember watching it and uh, some of them found it tough going mm. uh, and they didn't want to carry on and, and that was when you had to come in and try and convince them that it was good for them to keep going. Yeah, there was some difficult situations like I, I can remember one or two of the lads like we'd make a bit of progress and the next thing a week later he wouldn't get out of bed or he might be taking something he shouldn't be taking and he lost any bit of will as regards trying to make that progress we were talking about and the plans we'd let out for him just went out the window but by perseverance and staying with it like uh, there's one or two of the guys and like the the progress they made now in fairness 90% of them made serious progress but one or two of them just went to a a different place altogether which was fantastic and he's still in contact with them yeah so we would have met him last year uh, um, like no cameras no anthem we just wanted to meet him myself and the Dan and Matty and the production team we wanted to meet him away from that environment and we met him up in Dublin had an unreal chat and they went abseil and then after that together as a group like that I think the, the WhatsApp group is still going with yeah. the production team and they're still in touch with one another which is great um, What did you learn about uh, Irish men of a particular age from particular circumstances? I, I didn't really understand Ray um, what certain people go through like I, I would have thought maybe I had certain problems um, with with different things in my upbringing or this that and the other thing but some of them the obstacles that put, were put in their way was incredible um, being some being maybe being homeless from a very early age being put from this home to that home to another home and the effects it had in your being around a scene that was drug orientated or just be, being in a scene where your, your friends were taking it and like 
I, I didn't understand the whole thing until I really got talking to the boys and um, it, it was frightening. You, you, you were, because I remember saying at the time, like, like Dave, and you wasn't, you weren't feigning it, you weren't acting. Like, you you were naive, naive in a way to, to the real situation for a lot of people in this country. Yeah, I, like 100%, there's no point saying different. Like, you, you'd know of different things that you're being told about is out there, right? Yeah. And you'd say, yeah, yeah. But when you really see it, when you really get talking to them and hearing the situations they were in and and the difficulties they had come across, um, it, it really hit home when you're talking to them one-to-one and you could tell that the boys actually wanted a change. They wanted out of different things. And I, I suppose in my, the big one, the biggest ones in my head, it will be Connor. Rhea. I know you've talked to him yes. before. And like his story is incredible about how he got hooked on a particular drug. And Cocaine, it was great. Yeah. yeah, it was great at the start. And it was fine. Next thing, he just got into a hole that he found he couldn't get himself out of. And like hearing him talk about it and what he went through was just incredible. Like so, like mm. I love listening to Connor and the fact he's so open now about talking about it. So the plan was to bring them to base camp um, of Mount Everest, and of course uh, the pandemic scuppered that. Yeah. So you ended up uh, climbing Carantool with them. Um, yeah, well, what we did was we based ourselves in Kerry for four or five um, days. Unbelievable part of the of the country, as you well know. And we had different events over them four, different challenges over them four or five days. And some of them were actually incredible. I, I don't know if you saw the one where they did a traverse off the, uh, off the side of a cliff there did, out yeah. over the water. It was absolutely unreal. Like we made the challenges really, um, really big so that the lads, it's something they'd never do. And we want them to do stuff that, they, that they'd never have done. Yeah. Um, to experience that like they were so disappointed about Everest and not being able to do it but I think in fairness we got a great result out of them few days and please God we have something uh, up our sleeves that, that'll be that'll be good uh, going it's, forward It's a difficult one because we've done this an awful lot over the years looking for participants for yeah. reality TV shows because that's in effect what it is yeah. it's difficult to, to, to know what to say around this one so I'll, I'll leave it to you <laughs> Well as, as we discussed at the boys there is people that are in a difficult situation. One I'd like to see, like to think that maybe we might be able to try and help them and put the right expertise around them to give them a chance to get out of that hole. Two, and I think the lads will will um, reiterate this from last year, the boys wanted to show other people as well. So they put themselves out on TV to show other people that, listen, they're willing to try stuff and get out of that hole they're in. Mm. And if you do this, maybe you can be a role model for someone else that's that's stuck in that hole to try and get out of it. Yeah, casting at animotv.ie, casting at animotv.ie. If you want to just uh, drop them an email to find out more, you know, to ask questions that, that, that you might feel you need need to be answered for you. So casting at animotv.ie. So th- th- this is, uh, I know you're busy, but it's a quite enough year in that you're not managing a county for the first time in how long? Yeah, it's, uh, like it's funny. I, I started playing senior county hurling. I came on the panel in 1989. Right. And every year since then I've been involved either playing or managing so So um, it's the first time in 32 years <laughs> Yeah this is it's, <laughs> right. it's a big change yeah. you know and now in fairness I am with the Cork Camogie team um, which I'm really enjoying at the moment it's different um, but being involved in men's uh, top level GA has been something I've done for thir- 32 or 3 years and I've absolutely listen I've loved every single second of it so, so player to manager, um, and will you explain to people the uninitiated like myself the difference between a manager in GA and a coach? That's what you're coaching now with the the Cork Camogie team. Yeah, like um, so, like 
coach and I, I get to go down I have the session prepared talk to the coaches and we do the session the manager has to arrange everything make sure that facilities are there make sure that he's talked to all the players make sure that there's food after training make sure that there's right, transport yeah, yeah. there's about 20 different jobs like even when I was manager of Wexford Clare Watford like I still love to do the coaching as well and be in the middle of it um, but you, you could have 26 or 7 25, 6 or 7 people involved in a backroom team Ray you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there was talk, and uh, you've talked about this already. But just uh, just because he was all over the place on Sunday, there, uh, Henry Shefflin yeah. uh, managing the Galway team, and they, they won against Offaly. Yeah. Uh, when you were watching that, was there any any little pangs of <laughs> it should have been me? No, not really. No, no, no not really. Right. No, <laughs> that's the way. That's the way the GA goes, right? Like, did I talk to Galway? Yes, they rang me. We had uh, a few chats. Um, I thought at one stage I might have been going there, but it didn't work out. Um, like in fairness to Henry Shefflin, his record as a player is absolutely incredible. One of one of the all-time greats, you yeah. know. And he's dipping his foot into the senior inter-county management, and I wish him the best, you know. I'm um, like, what's far you want, Pasure? Like, there's something else will come along at some stage, mm. and we'll do it. But definitely not uh, that that ship has sailed, and right. we're over that. And Henry has managed Belly Hale, hasn't yeah. he? So he's he's managed a club. Yeah, he, he's he's managed Betty Hale and was very successful with him. And um, I suppose this is the next progression, you know. So I think there'll be no fear of him. He's a, he's a mm. smart guy, but um, it, and, it, and it, he's he's Galway, so they like geographically they're not, but but in GA terms they're in they're in Leinster. So he will come up against Brian Cody. <laughs> and can you remember the first time as a manager? It would have been Waterford. The Waterford played Clare. Was that a big yeah. day for you? That was actually probably one of the hardest days ever. Like you had my business partner, who's my brother-in-law now, um, Sparrow Lachlan was over clear and I would have been in partnership with him at a few pubs for a number of years. My best friend Danny Chaplin was a selector with him and my dad was on the other sideline and right. I had played for him for 20 years. So it was absolutely so tough. And Henry's going to find the same. Like he's Kilkenny true and true. He's going to find that tough, no matter what he says, and he will be reassuring the Galway boys. But it's very tough to stand there. How did you handle it? Where, where was the match? Was it? It was in Torles. Right. So it was. Uh, never forget it. Um, and I just said to myself, "You have a job to do. You have to give these boys your all, and that's it." Like, and we did that. But it, even going into the dressing room afterwards was very tough. Yeah. Who won? Uh, Watford won. Right. And yeah, I'd say there, there wasn't much said in the Fitzgerald household <laughs> for a few days. <laughs> yeah, that that's tough, isn't it? That is tough. Yeah. Ah, it is, you know. But you so, know, Ray, that's part of it. Yeah, and so I'm I'm, I'm hearing from you, reading between the lines, that you you know you're around, you're available. Um, so how does that process work? You were saying there, you got a phone call from Galway. Um, yeah. So do they do people know all over the country now that you're available for work or have you let it be known that you'll only travel so far because I know the travel is a big thing yeah, the travel was like Galway was, would have been handy it's probably uh, 50 minutes to an hour right, max yeah. up the road it was very close uh, like Cork isn't too bad either at the moment in fairness to try and mellow a bit so that maybe an hour from Limerick so you're you're close enough as well you know yeah. um, I've had a number of club teams on but um, I've just decided just I, I'm going to do Cork for the year and take a breather there's a few other bits and pieces happening in the private life so okay. um, we'll take it a small bit easier this year okay, and, uh, not, front. you can't talk about those we might talk about it at a future date yeah for definite so, so there's a term they use in here so you've, you've more headspace now for the first time in 32 years you've headspace 
yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're better yeah, off if I was well, going you know, seven days was, a week non-stop. But, but you see, there was a guy who, I remember, a, a tutor when I was doing a postgrad, and he, he was he claimed that I was so busy I was running away from something, that I was I was trying to just, you know, get away from whatever's in my head. So yeah, ask, yeah. ask yourself that question, Debbie Fitzgerald. I, I, yeah, I am asking myself it. I, 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 I think I'm better off. I'm the type of person that likes to be busy. Like, yeah. I suppose you take toughest team fittest family which is going well but yeah. during the era I'm please God I'm doing a bit of punditry with RT this year um, I'll have the Daily Mirror column right, I, I okay. will have enough of stuff <laughs> to keep going right, trust okay. me yeah, to, to run away from whatever you run yeah. away from. Anyway, uh, casting at animotv.ie if you feel that somebody you know or yourself would be interested in getting involved in Davy's toughest team this year. Davy, uh, always great talking to you. Mind yourself. All right, take care. Right, take care. Good luck. See you. Bye. Bye. That's Davy Fitzgerald there. And that's it from us. Uh, Cormac is uh, on his own today on Drive Time. It being Tuesday. We are back tomorrow at 3 o'clock Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. <laughs>